so moving on, we're in this this phase where okay, you're needing uh, the buyer to be able to engage a farmer, a competent pharmacy lawyer, early on to help them with the wording um, and having that the agreement sort of drafted properly. But what are so when that buyer's negotiating, what are some of the opportunities? But also the rights of the buyer. Uh, what are some of the issues around that when they're negotiating that sale agreement? Well, really, you can look at it that it's a clean slate. If you are wanting to buy and the seller wants to sell, then you have to negotiate. And I think for buyers, they need to work out what's important to them because what is important to one buyer might not be important to the other. Yep. The buyer really has any rights it wants to have until such time as it's signed. Yep. So yep. if there's something you want, ask for it and negotiate it and if it's important um, for example employees might be really important to you yep. if you're intending on keeping them on you might want a right to interview them so you know who you're getting yeah uh, you need to build that in don't ever assume that um, it'll be right later on and yep. if you want to interview them you can ask for it so your rights um, to answer your question john in the negotiation phase are as much as you want it to be yeah um, but if you don't ask you won't get yeah yeah you find there's a bit of um, call it intimidation a little bit from the buyer of not really sure what to do and um, uncertain about themselves and so they don't know what to ask or don't know how far to push things. Yeah, so you don't know what you don't know and that yeah. there, there is the importance of engaging with advisors early on, yeah. um, even before you've found a pharmacy and working out what is important to you and getting advice around that. But certainly it can be a scary process yeah. for a first time buyer or not uh, and sometimes your sellers might be fairly large yeah. sellers uh, and they they think it might be their way or the highway yeah. and trying to break that down can yeah. be tough. Um, this might be overly simplistic, but like typically when you're buying a house, the buyer goes to the agent, the agent writes up the offer, and the offer is presented to the seller. Mm. Is buying a pharmacy business similar in that it's up to the, the buyer to present the sale agreement to the current owner? For the most part, yes but some sellers are pretty stuck in their ways and the price is the price. Um, so I'd say yes, it is up to the buyer. Um, but particularly in regards to the sale agreement, is it is it is it's up to the, the buyer to present the sale agreement to the owner? Seller usually presents the sale agreement. So it's very different than buying a house then? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so the buyer, I guess, makes the approach in terms of price and conditions or the seller might have a guidance around that. But as for the contract, um, that comes from your seller. Mm. And that's because the seller has the info on yep. the pharmacy. So yep. they've got the list of plant and equipment. They've yep. got the address that's approved and all of that. Um, that doesn't mean the buyer should just accept it, though. Mm. So really, so the buyer's going to receive, because obviously they talk about price, but they receive a sale agreement, and it's at that point of do not sign, mm. go to your lawyer, get your lawyer to go through the sale agreement and have it properly worded with uh, uh, a long enough settlement process, etc., and have, right. have all the subject to clauses appropriately worded. Yeah, absolutely. And at that point, to be perfectly honest, we're not even looking at the price. Um, the price should have been agreed to get to that point. Yep. We're looking at all those other bits and bobs that can be really costly yep. to the buyer later on. Yep, yep. Um, ownership structures. Mm. Now, yeah, for, for the poor buyer, 
who's at this stage of getting excited about it all and I'm going to buy a business and it's a very emotive time it for is. them. It's exciting but very stressful at the same time and then um, and you get uh, a lawyer or, or the accountant go back to them and wanting to discuss through what the, through what legal entity are they going to own it and uh, so what are some of the issues around that because because uh, there's a lot of advice. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, an easy thing. There's a hell of a lot of technical knowledge goes into that answer. That's right. And, I mean, there are common ownership structures in pharmacy, but that's not always the way people have to go. Certainly this is where your accountant needs to know what you're thinking about doing because they need to give you taxation and accounting yes. advice to make yep. sure it's properly structured that way. From a legal perspective, we're looking at well, what are your future plans? Do you want to own more? If you want to own more, do you want to, you know, some degree of protection from a, you know, legal um, so action? In worst case scenario, yeah, or something how really do you protect the family happens. home? Yeah. yeah, that's right. You're protecting the family home. You're not exposing um, yourself personally. You might want to involve junior partners later on. What's the best way to do that? How mm. should you be structured so that you can bring them in easily? Because the last thing you want is to be flippant in how you buy your first one and then later on have to restructure, essentially. That can be costly, yep. uh, but also there's taxation and potentially stamp duty problems depending on what state you're in. Yep. So it's really important. It's not particularly fun to have those discussions, no. but really important to save money and yeah. time and effort later on sometimes um, I find um, you'll get a like a young buyer saying oh, look I'll just sign this offer here in, in my name and then we can talk about the legal entities later because mm. I want to just get it done because they're all excited and emotionally in, in, invested in the whole thing and so okay we, I'll just I'll just write up this offer and I'll just sign it in my name and then we can Talk about the legal, the legal structures later, and we can just get the sale agreement. Uh, is there any problems with Huge that? Huge problems. Yeah. Huge problems. I'm glad you're mentioning uh, <laughs> that because this comes up so many times. Yeah. So, John, you might find a pharmacy you really want to buy, and you say, "Yeah, I'll just put down my name, John, and I'll sort it out later." It doesn't really work like that. Problems that you can run into, and again, this does vary depending on what state you're in. But if you've got a name, that that name is legally bound if you've signed a contract. Now, you might have a nominee clause in the contract. That's not big in Queensland. It is oh, because I have, States. like, uh, Joe Bloggs and or nominee. That's right, yeah. yeah. To enliven the nominee, though, so, you know, you, you've signed a document but you decide you want to buy it with me, for example, mm. there needs to be a nominee clause saying how that's done. And in, 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 from a practical sense, it means you have to give a notice to the seller and it's usually by a particular time. Yeah. That then can change the entity. In Queensland, we can't do that. It, it can potentially attract double stamp duty, so massive risks there. But because, like, you got you got two, two stamped stamp or duty mm, bill documents, two right. legal documents now, haven't you? Yeah. So you've got a signed contract. You want to change it, and we're talking about a legally binding document. You can't just hand write another name on it to bring someone else in. Yeah. If you don't have a nominee clause, you've got to have a willing seller that's prepared to add another party um, and usually without boring your listeners with uh, legal jargon that means rescinding the contract which means cancelling it and starting again yeah if your seller's not willing to do that uh, then you might be stuck buying it in your name I've got this exact scenario actually at the moment whereby um, uh, there's a pharmacy on the market 
someone was a bit gung-ho, went into it, signed the document while there was a discussion going on with some potential partners. The partners have decided they want to come in, mm. um, but we've only got one name on a contract and the seller's not willing to go back and make any changes or to rescind. Ah, so yeah, yeah. there's a couple of issues there. You've got to complete one transaction and essentially start a whole new one, but you're also hoping that the person that's buying it is still going to want to bring you in once they've settled it. Mm. Otherwise, yes. you might have lost that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you, there's the time needed to get these legal entities set up as well. Yeah. With companies, trusts, etc., all of which takes time and having documents appropriately prepared. And even that regard, you can't just use an ordinary yeah, company or trust or anything like that no. sort of off the shelf. It's got to be pharmacised to give it a yeah, term. Yeah, that's it? right. Yeah, yeah. you've got to have, you've got to make sure you comply with the law around that, which is pretty strict. If you are pulling something off the shelf, so to speak, uh, that might need changes. It mightn't be the best, best way to go. You might be better starting yeah. fresh. But there's time there, and, and so you sometimes get this issue of um, they've talked about an offer, they've agreed to a price need to go to a sale agreement oh we got to get our legal entity set mm. up now and there's, well, there's a rad, mad rush panic to try there and is. get that set up and could be sometimes a couple of weeks go by until you're able to get these documents and these entities set yeah, up properly particularly if you haven't got your advice so you got to get that first then you set them up then you've got to get them signed and sorted out yeah. and there are certainly occasions where we've got to that point and then we're sitting literally waiting to plug a name into a document and it's just lost time. Yeah, so what's your advice here? Just if you're keen about buying, have them just have them set up it beforehand? Or? Certainly get your advice now. If, yeah. you, if you're keen to buy, get advice and at least become aware of what your options are. Yeah. Hopefully your financial circumstances won't change too much between now and when you choose to buy. If they yeah. do, you might need further advice. You can then go and set up a company at you know, before you've found a pharmacy if mm. you want, so that you're ready to roll. Yep. Company set up is between seven and eight hundred dollars. That's the corporation fee, so yep. that you can't change that. Yep. Um, but if, if you're serious and genuine, there's no harm in doing that now. Yep. So you're ready to go when the right opportunity okay. comes. So during the buying settlement process, um, obviously there's this there's a concept of an approved pharmacy, PBS mm. approved pharmacy. Is there do you see any issues or is there a need to actually go and check on that approval or sometimes you just just assume that it is and, and away you go yeah certainly for my clients i will ask for a copy of a pbs approval certificate mm. there's a few reasons for that obviously you do want to make sure it is approved otherwise yep. we've got a bit of a problem there for you <laughs> yeah. also you're yep. checking that the seller um, named in the contract is actually the seller of the pharmacy because if they don't if the documents don't marry up you're going to run into problems with your regulators your approvals uh, because they're going to say well hang on the contract you showed us says it's Joe Bloggs but the pharmacy is actually owned by Bloggs Farm Proprietary Limited mm. got to make sure your documents are right yeah, the other yeah, big yeah. issue is the address uh, so it might have stood in the same place over time but your landlord changed your shop number your centre name changes 
the seller might have expanded or contracted the business yeah. um, and that's impacted on the address. So yep. we've gone from shop one and two to shop one, but no one's told Medicare about that. And that is really going to cause headaches in that approval time frame process. Because that causes delays and, and that, that can cause like a month's delay, yeah. couldn't it? Yeah, and if there's a wall that's been moved because they've decided they wanted to put a consulting room in and yeah. didn't tell anyone about it, you could have to potentially do a whole other application, the seller that is, to get that sorted out yeah. before you come back to your sale transaction. Yeah. We're talking about months, it could be added on. Yeah, do you feel this is, that particular issue alone is, is, is very much overlooked? Yes, in, in the buying process? I do, I do. I think yeah. people see a pharmacy, it looks like a pharmacy, um, feels like a pharmacy. They're clearly dispensing stuff, yes. it must be a pharmacy, yeah. therefore, yeah, it should all be tickety-boo. Mm, that's <laughs> right, and this guy's saying he's the seller, so he must be the seller. Uh, and sometimes it, it is just an accident. People have forgotten that their ownership structure might yeah. be slightly different. Have you come across some particular problems just in, in that the biggest problem I've come across there is where the address has changed and the pharmacy has contracted without telling me. Oh, so the approval is then yeah. a different address to what the actual address is? That's right. And then means, you try and get another approval and it's all wrong. Yeah, so we're going to Medicare saying, uh, hi Medicare, we're selling shop one and two. And they say, well, we've only got that as shop one. So where did shop two come from? And it might have been because they took some extra space along the way. Yep. It might have been 10 years ago yep. uh, and completely innocent. Yep. But that's a problem and it means they have to make an application under the rules to get that approved before they can yep. progress. Yep. The other issue, um, just bringing the rules into the transaction, is actually checking where your competitors are and is anyone... Could anyone move um, so that they're on your doorstep? Yep. What if you want to move? Can you do that? Where's your supermarket? Where's your doctors? Yep. And just checking yep. that out as well. Yep. Um, so, myself and uh, a friend of mine are going to buy a pharmacy, right? And um, we uh, think, well, okay, we'll get a company form, we'll go do all that, sale agreement, and we're away. And the lawyer says, I should get a partnership agreement or a shareholders agreement, mm. whatever it may be. It's later. Do that later. Cost too much, you know, too much time. I don't have the time. Let's worry about it later. Partnership agreements. Mm, problem, problem. <laughs> so if there's someone you want to go into partnership with, you can do that now. Do your partnership agreement now um, so that you're, again, ready to roll when an opportunity comes along. Possibly you might have an opportunity to make the actual contract subject to entering into a partnership agreement. Yep. That's really only going to work if your seller's remaining involved in yep. some capacity, otherwise they're not interested in what your business is. Um, but it is really dangerous to worry about that another day. Once you're in partnership, it's like a marriage, although I tell my client it's easier to get out of a marriage than it is in a partnership in business. <laughs> that's that's uh, probably very true. That's probably very good advice there. You need to have that partnership agreement to govern what is going to happen. It's everything from who's going to make decisions about employees, who's going to be the managing partner, what are they going to be paid, what, um, how often are, are we expecting that person to work. I've got a checklist which I'm more than happy to share with listeners. There's things they need to think about um, going into partnership with someone. If you don't have a partnership agreement, um, you're relying on the law and that's a messy, messy process. The you best default back to the Pharmacy Act of yeah, 1860-something. Or... <laughs> and all of these ancient laws. The best partnership agreements are the ones that you do and they sit in the bottom drawer. 
that means the partnership's going really well, but you've got a peace of mind that if something goes amiss, yep. it's there and it will get you out of that mess and it will get you out in the least, um, you know, the least costly mm. and timely process possible. We also say partnership agreements, think about it as insurance. You don't think your house is gonna burn down, but it might, so yep. you put insurance on it. And it's the same thing with partnership agreements. You yeah. don't think you're gonna have a fight, but you might. Yeah, I, th I think um, as a general rule that I advise my clients is there is one day in your business life you'll be relying on that partnership mm. agreement. So have it, get it done properly, you will rely on it one day. Yes. Because there's, at some point in time, that business is gonna to have to be sold or a partner wants mm. to sell out. And or passes you, away or something yep. like that. So you always yep. have to go back to it at some stage. And yet with a, that comfort of least knowing there's a defined set of rules on how something is to be transacted and conducted. Yeah, and um, often when you are going back to it is in a time of stress. So you want that guidance. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Is it needed for approval process? Uh, there's mixed views on that. So from a legal perspective, you don't have to have a partnership agreement. Yep. There is no law. Uh, the bodies, the regulatory bodies are asking for a partnership agreement to be okay. produced. Yep. And if it's not, explaining why there's not. So in that case, you might say we're relying on the law or mm. we've got a draft underway mm. and we'll provide it yep. at a later date. To some extent, it's probably a good thing if it does become a requirement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's prob probably would be a good thing. Now. What's this due diligence clause? What's a due diligence clause and uh, how important is that in a sale agreement? Because sometimes I see the buyers come back after everything's been signed. We bought this business and there's this due diligence clause here and you got you got seven days to, to do it. Mm. Right. So what is it? And particularly from the buyer's perspective is how does it save your bum? So a due diligence clause is essentially a clause that says you can go about and investigate this business however you choose to do that. It's usually for a time period yeah. and there's usually um, you ask the seller for certain information. So you give them a list of what you want and they come back to you with that information. Which is typically financial information. Typically stuff like financial that. information, but, it, it, but you shouldn't due diligence to that. Due, due diligence is not just for the accountants either, is it? Because there is... No the legal due diligence which is somewhat needed as well yeah. isn't it it's not just for the accountants to check the financial statements make sense not at all so you obviously want to know that the finances do stack up and your purchase price is right in that regard but you also want to know where's your lease how long's left on your lease what does your lease actually say is there an option period is there exclusivity is there some sort of restriction on when you can trade do you have to be a part of a banner group that's all in your lease and you're not going to know that until you start looking if you don't have your due diligence clause um, and you march on, there's no out really um, when you discover some of those problems later on. Yep. Even if you're in the transaction phase and you haven't settled, there's still no out. So yep. you're left with that problem. The other thing to check out, as I mentioned, is where is your competitor? What can they do? Yep. Um, is there um, nursing homes that the pharmacy is servicing yes. that haven't been Contracts mentioned anywhere? And, yep. Is there a robot? Is that under lease? Is that staying or going? Um, yep. All this, just the practical side of the business and is what you see what you really get. Yeah. So it is not just for the accountants to tick off the financial side, which is a very important mm. process. Um, yeah. Are the numbers what you think you're buying off, are, do they actually stack up and make sense? Um, but the due diligence clause is a 
really is like risk mitigation, Absolutely. isn't it? And that's having your lawyer there for franchise agreements, sale yep. um, the, no, the, the, the lease agreements and whatever other agreements you need mm. to go through. So the lawyer that, uh, is a very fundamental part of that. And what would you advise in regards to time periods? Because like most subject to clauses, there's a time period there typically. Is, yeah. well, what do you normally suggest in regards to the due diligence clause of a time? Because sometimes they come back and are just so short a window, mm. it's, it's impossible to get anything done, yet you don't have a choice about it because the agreement's yeah. signed. What would you advise? A lot hinges on when you're getting information. So a standard sort of DD time frame would be 21 to 28 days, but that needs to be from when the information is provided. Yes, yes, So don't yes. do it from the date you sign the offer. Don't do it from the date you sign the contract. Do it from the information being provided to you. The way we work that out in the drafting is basically the buyer has a certain amount of time to give the seller a list of yep. what they want, which is usually seven days. The seller has seven days to give the information. Yep. And then once all the information is given, whether it's on day two or day six or day seven, that then starts your 21 to 28 days. Yep. You need to be organized. You need to tell your advisors it's coming so make sure they have capacity to assist you. Yep. Uh, but certainly do it from when you get the info, not from when you sign and then you're twiddling your thumbs waiting for yep. the seller to yep. give you the document. Yep. And it's probably also important at this stage for the... For, for the listeners to understand the due diligence process. Like sometimes there's this perception that the outcome of a due diligence is someone telling them, yes, you should go buy this business. It's, it's not that at all. It's no. more of, okay, these are the, oh, I suppose to give it a term, it's like an agreed upon procedures. Mm. The reason is that the buyer and the accountant or lawyer these are the things we're going to investigate. We'll report back to you with the findings, but it's up to you as to whether you go ahead or not, isn't it? Definitely. It's, it always is up to the buyer. There might be a risk that presents itself which may or may not be important to a buyer. It's going to depend on the actual buyer. Um, but certainly it isn't a yes or no. It's not that black and white. It's yeah. These might be the problems. How do you feel about it? And do you want to proceed yeah. or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, have you seen examples where uh, people have um, used that due diligence clause for for the the, the sale agreement, the sale not to go ahead? Yes, commonly. Yeah. Because um, it's really the buyer. Is there some commonality? Sorry to interrupt. Is there some commonality in the issues? Um, the figures not stacking up is a big one. So they've yeah. been promised the world, and then when they look at the books, it's not quite. Uh, what it is yeah uh, development or the lease being an issue yeah so some people go to the lease uh, sorry they see the lease it might be coming up to its expiry they have some preliminary chats to the landlord and discover mm. the landlord's planning to develop or jack up the rent or something like that yeah so they want out uh, of that or there might be just other threats in the area yeah. uh, coming into it. But it is really the only clause, if it's well drafted, that a buyer can get out without having to explain themselves. Yeah. Whereas on finance, you might need to show that their bank actually didn't give you approval. Yeah. Um, whereas DD, if you're not comfortable, um, you can say I'm not comfortable and get out. You get your deposit back then too. Yeah, yeah, mm. okay. Look, that's been wonderful. Thank you. So Thanks, I hope uh, your listeners up out there got uh, a hell of a lot out of that. It's uh, very informative, but the, the main things to come from that is 
just get your advice early. Get your advice, have your team about you, your accountants, your lawyers, finance brokers, um, the business brokers, the agents. Have your team around you, make sure that team knows pharmacy really, really mm. well. Um, I'd strongly advise against any accountant or lawyer in using it if they don't know pharmacy very well because that's potentially very dangerous. It is dangerous. If they tell you, oh, it can't be that different to other business, that's a warning sign. Yeah, run, <laughs> run away, run away. Um, so thank you kindly. Now, Thanks, if John. any listeners out there want to get in touch with you, they may have some issues. How, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find. So we've got our firm website, www.stoddartlegal.com.au. I'm also on LinkedIn, Sarah Stoddart. Instagram at Stoddart Legal or our phone number if you've got a pen handy is 07337002000 but you will be able to find my email address and other contact details via those sources. And of course if any out there are um, having troubles with that make sure you get in touch with us and uh, we'll um, have no problems at all in uh, passing on Sarah's contact details through to you so please get in touch she's uh, uh, immensely talented at what she does knows pharmacy very very well so uh, please get in touch with her so thank you kindly thank you very much thank you